Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Been having problems? Uh, no, no. There just wasn't a response after I said hello, so I oh, <laughs> wasn't I sure. Hear, I did not hear the hello. How about that? Oh, okay. There we go. All right. <clears throat> it's just so, very, very aggressive coming out. The very first thing I hear is, can you hear me okay? All right, good. <laughs> Roll the tape. <laughs> Let's get this shit over. I got stuff to say about Morning Glory. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot that's one we're doing tonight. Uh, I wasn't going to start there. I was doing my uh, uh, research, you know, about uh, five minutes before I sat down at the computer on Zach and Miri make a porno. And uh, I remembered that I had not actually finished the movie. I was only... <laughs> Ever or for this for this particular purpose? Uh, both. Um, Zach and Miri is a is a movie that I uh, walked out on in uh, the theater, and now having completed it, uh, finally, I realized I walked out with about 15 minutes left to go, and it uh, wasn't even one of those like I'm like so angry or this is it's, like so terrible. I was just like mm, that's that's enough. It's enough for today, <laughs> <laughs> which may be more insulting. Like yeah. I'm done. I'll get back to this at some point. Com- complete indifference, I, I think, is more <laughs> insulting. And walking out at that point with 15 minutes left. So now that you've completed the journey that is Zach and Mary make a porno, um, do you feel like you made the right choice that day? Yes, I think so. Oh. I think I was uh, somehow much wiser uh, back then. <laughs> I, I didn't even realize this was like 2008 film. This movie's mm-hmm. fucking old. Like, I, I think I... <laughs> was giving it an extra four or five years, like, you know, 12, 2012, 2013 era. And, uh, wow. Like, cause this is, I think you've said before, uh, in our conversations, you've referenced this. Cause I think this is the only, I'm trying to think, I think this is the only Kevin Smith movie we've not talked about on a podcast. I, I was actually wondering about that. I thought we had done the rest of them. So I, I assume we were one. double dipping at you, this point. No, you, cause you mentioned this as like his, uh, Kevin Smith sort of, uh, I guess death rattle as a filmmaker, <laughs> like where he, he got entirely discouraged. And in my brief research, like on Wikipedia, that's like a paragraph of this where it's like, he was quoted as just being incredibly depressed. They like took a shot, uh, with Seth Rogen coming off of a uh, 40 year old virgin and like the burgeoning Apatow comedy scene. And no one gave a shit. They were like me, but worse. <laughs> they didn't even show up much less, you know, leave in the last 15 minutes. Yeah, this is, um, but I think he's doing far more interesting films now. Um, they might not all land as well with audiences or <laughs> land at all. Um, but the stuff he's doing now, I'm far more interested in than this side of him at this point. Yeah. Cause I think red state came right after this, right? There was something like uh, he retired after this and took about two or three years off. I think something like that, which really isn't that different than his clip in between movies anyway. But he just kept saying that he was never going to do it again, never going to do it again. And then he just didn't want to do a studio movie again. He stayed pretty true to that until now. I think he's doing the uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot mm. at oh, this yeah. point. Well, so maybe. He's yeah. gone back to the well. I've heard Clerks 3, Mallrats 2. It seems like you know, he – I think to stay part of the conversation, he, he throws one of those bones out there. No, he's the actually he's actually filming it right now. Someone's giving him money for that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much. <laughs> I mean, how much does it cost to get Jay Muse out to Florida to shoot for a couple weeks? You know, you say that, and uh, the only thing I, I haven't written it, 
yet. You know, my my letterbox reviews uh, take a lot of thought to to get those pithy one sentence reviews out there in the world. He does the heavy lifting in this movie. The best uh, bit of acting is from Jason Mewes in this. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you don't count the sort of like Craig Robinson doing exactly what he does and everything else, which I always enjoy. Um, but yeah, Justin uh, Long, maybe in his uh, his little, his scene, like he's he's um, and the thing with him, there's almost a um, cheating aspect to that to some degree because he was incredibly sick when he did that scene. Get beer, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> My friend's being a total ass of herself hitting on her old high school crush. Oh, God, that's so sad. It's so miry, is what it is. I'm Zach, by the way. Brandon. Oh, don't worry, we weren't in the same class or anything. Okay. Lucky you. <laughs> Are you at Monroe? Well, I went here. Let's just leave it at that, I guess. Do you have one of the large, blown up pictures of your younger self hanging around here? I do! Uh, kind of, right there. Gorgeous. Good times. What do you do? Uh, what, what brings you here? Well, I came here with somebody who went to school here. Really? Bobby Long. No shit. That's, that's who my friend's hitting on right now. See right there? The, really? The one dressed like Hannah Montana? <sighs> In LA, we call that look Nickelodeon chic. Wait, LA? Los Angeles? California. That's awesome, man. What do you do out there? I'm an actor. Wow. That's really impressive. Thank you. Thank you. In fucking movies? Fucking movies, pretty much. Look at you. What? Anything I've seen? What, what movies? Oh, all sorts of movies with all-male casts. All-male casts? Like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, like that? Like Glenn and Gary suck Ross's meaty cock and drop their hairy nuts in his eager mouth. Is that like a sequel? Sort of. It's a reimagining. Oh, like The Wiz. More erotic. And with less women. No women, to be exact. I apologize in advance if I am out of line here, but are you in gay porn? Guilty as charged. Are you fucking with me? I thought you recognized me at first, that's why. Oh, okay, I get it. You're not my demographic, so I'm not insulted. Not really. Who's your demographic? Do you love pussy? I do. Then not you. Oh. Okay. So that voice that he's putting on is because he didn't have a voice oh. left. Oh, okay. So that that goes with like sort of the theme of the conversation I wanted to have with you, which <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Uh, okay, because the theme I was thinking of for this, because we've got uh, a long shot coming up, which uh, the only thing I know about it, Charlize Thrones in it, and Seth Rogen, and it seems to be like you know talk about old like Knocked Up came out summer two thousand seven, and that's like introducing Seth Rogen as leading man material. And the poster is like, you know, someone had sex with this guy, like a close up of <laughs> Seth Rogen's face. And that's like <laughs> the premise, like the, the, the hook for that. And that was a big hit. People were like, Oh my goodness, I got to see how that happened. Like who, who would ever fuck that? And so <laughs> Zach and Miri make a porno. I don't think it's as mean spirited, um, as that particular poster. Cause I don't think, I think Kevin Smith, like, you know, probably one of his, to his detriment is he's, he's got a big heart, especially for the characters that he writes. Like he wants everything to work out for them. I mean, even going back to the ending of clerks when he originally kills Dante, which probably would have been, <laughs> you know, poor form, but 
I think that's all over Zack and Miri. I don't think it's ever like that mean because one of the problems I have with this movie is that it seems like Elizabeth Banks has always had like a huge thing for Seth Rogen. I don't know. And I, I don't know where it comes from. I don't even know where it comes from in the plot of the film. It's just all of a sudden they go from we're broke. Hey, amateur porn. It's kind of a thing. We could do that to uh, a love story that seems kind of forced in there. So let's say what is the more unrealistic, um, Kevin Smith love triangle type situation where it's Rosario Dawson falling in love with Dante mm, or is it Elizabeth Banks with, uh, <laughs> with Seth Rogen? Which I'm, one I'm, I'm is the bigger leap? Clerks too, uh, where that transpires because Dante is working <laughs> at, you know, the, uh, US universe version of Burger King, McDonald's, whatever. Is it movie? Yeah. Is it actually movie in that? Like, uh, movie, movie, I, movie, it is movie. You're from right. Dogma, right? Is that where mm-hmm. it was introduced? Okay. Uh, I guess Rosario, Rosario Dawson working there is our, you know, also a leap. Uh, but at least she's <laughs> middle management or something. There. <laughs> she has a future in the movie corporation. I, I guess so. Um, I would say that's worse because here, and it's never really dealt with, unfortunately, in Zach and Mary make a porno. But you are introducing, yeah, I mean you're introducing sex. So there, you know, even if it is this. Um, you know, really sort of high concept comedy, uh, to get our two, uh, love interests to, to do the deed. Um, at, at the very least there's, there's going to be some sort of forced connection there, right? Like that's the right. thing. They're going to have to reassess, uh, how they look at one another, uh, as you know, it seems like they're just sort of like best buds since high school, just always hanging out their roommates and they seem to share a lot of the same sensibilities as far as their outlook on going to this high school reunion with the great Justin Long, which you just ruined mm-hmm. for me by saying that <laughs> that wasn't even an acting choice. I thought that I was like, Oh, well, he's got a pretty good porn voice. I like he's this. Ma- he's making choices. I yeah. like this. And you're just saying, no, he's just sick as a dog, but uh <laughs> kismet, I guess there for Kevin Smith, at least in uh, that regard with that one segment, I, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I can't believe that <laughs> over a decade later, we're going back to the well of <laughs> Seth Rogen. Who'd fuck this guy <laughs> at this point? Have we, well, I, I, what, I don't know what Seth Rogen looks like these days. Does he look like the, uh, the version of him and take this waltz that, that version of him that quite a bit more fuckable, or is it this Zach and Mary version of him? I, I mean, I did like that they, uh, you know, with his sort of Jufro thing that he's got going on here, that there's a sequence where he shaves and he's like, yeah, that was a mistake. And it's like, <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure I was watching this uh, with a relatively sparse crowd, but I can imagine that we all sort of nod our head like, mm, yeah, definitely don't want to see this guy have sex now. Um, <laughs> you know, the shaggy, you know, sort of scruff works better for that look. Take this waltz. I was actually kind of taken aback by him. It's like, to me, I mean, maybe not like movie star leading man material, but he looks like, like a normal guy. Like, you know, if I saw him and Michelle Williams together, I don't think I would not be doing the, you hmm? would would accept it. Yeah. I would not have the knocked up poster reaction. Like, Oh my (laughs) God, (laughs) what has happened in this world? Look at that disgusting slob. And with Michelle Williams, like putting his grubby hands all over. (laughs) So is that a. For in Zach and Mary, though, is that a casting issue um, with it just being too far out of his league? Uh, or is it an acting issue if the, it was the right actress? 
uh, or actor, they could have pulled that off together. You're just not believing the two of them together. So as a failure of the writing or is it just everything <laughs> fell flat for you? Zach and Mary, it feels like, um, I think men, you know, in a sort of entertainment capacity, uh, you know, be it like writing novels or screenplays, whatever, like, yeah, there's a certain kind of icky wish fulfillment thing. And I definitely got that with clerks too, where you know, when Kevin Smith is like, when I was a nobody, like, you know, Rosario Dawson walks into my life and just digs me. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I go along with this one more because of the situation both of them are in. Like, that's like, okay, Elizabeth Banks <laughs> is probably physically way out of his league, but she's not like, there's a certain hatefulness to her character and a bitterness, a cynicism yes. to both of them that I kind of do buy into like, okay, you know, there's just certain people it's like that no one else wants to be around, but they've like found the other person that can stand like being in the same room with them for extended periods of time. And I, yeah, so I don't think it's a casting issue as far as that goes. I think it's my issue is with Elizabeth Banks and like the 180 that is forced upon her when they finally, you know, shoot their pornographic scene and God, what is the fucking, like, it's like a mid nineties, like live <laughs> song that Smith is playing, like where yeah, she falls for him. Yeah. <laughs> the, the problem for, you know, poor Mr. Rogan. Um, but isn't that song about, if I, if I'm not mistaken, going, it's about somebody that has, um, that gives stillbirth. Isn't that kind of the, is it? I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to let you, you know, hang yourself by getting into the, the weeds on like the, the lyrics of live. Like I remember this bald headed man with like a, a rat tail in that one video, their one, you know, one hit song that I recall, uh, which also wasn't that video have something with childbirth. I think so. It, yeah, I think it's been, in... I, I, it's been over 20 years, but if I, uh, that, that song was really popular. So I, I just remember that on the radio version, they would bleep out the word placenta for some reason. And I always thought that was Jesus. odd. Well, we've, we've come a long way. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's for the better or not. But... Some things, but you know, I think, I think I would probably take the, the lack of placenta on the radio to go back. <laughs> just the, the lack of live would probably be better, but yeah. Mm, yeah. We go even further back. You know, either way, Smith, creates this, you know, this problem of distracting me during that. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's the ruse is, you know, they just, they just didn't have the goods here. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's something where this, this stupid, let's make a porno idea. I mean, it sits in this weird <laughs> date and time anyway, right? Like 2008, as far mm -hmm. as, I mean, maybe it was a little bit ahead of its time as far as the amateur porn, but it wants to kind of have like the, uh, the funny, like boogie nights sequences as far as look how stupid porn is. Right. Which feels way out of step now because <laughs> they have stripped it <laughs> to like, no pun intended, <laughs> like the nuts and bolts of, of why you're there to watch porn. It's like <laughs> you know, a two minute clip of something really quickly. You have no context for anything. So having and this highly specific, there is going to be specific one thing to the act. You know, or acts That's... that you can, you know, <laughs> is, this is not the, uh, yeah, you're, you're not watching game seven of the world series here. You're watching the, the, going back to the nineties, the sports center, like funny quips for 30 seconds. And then, you know, you've probably moved on and you just feel really depressed and you close the tablet. <laughs> now they touch on that briefly where Seth Rogen says that 
the idea is that he wants to make a porno that was similar to the pornos that he watched when he was in high school. Mm -hmm. So they're acknowledging that they're doing something that is out of step with the times. Well, what's the market for that? I (laughs) I, I think it's probably um, like it's all those parody porns that you hear about um, that have come out where it's like a Simpsons parody porn or something like that, where they get real live actors to look like that now. And it's sort of a higher concept idea behind it that it totally was that right. Attention. It was a star What's Wars that? thing. Like, you know, they, they have this and I'd forgotten this. They introduced like this, basically just a montage of like, here's how we would do a star Wars pornography. Right. Uh, and then it's like, okay, we can't really follow through with that. So you know, the, the mighty <laughs> hands of George Lucas soon to be, you know, Disney years down the road, um, says, yeah, you can have a scene where they play dress up, but then <laughs> no know, more. That, yeah. An act of God happens and the, you know, the, the sets burn down, they demolish everything. <laughs> no star Wars porn for you. Um, I'm sure they shoved all that in the trailers though. Um, I, I don't know. It, it just, I just don't think Kevin Smith is the guy for this. So, you know, like I said, my very brief research, apparently he just like really wanted to make anything based around like people who were involved in porn. Like there was on Wikipedia, there was a, like the the second (laughs) attempt was like a TV series, I guess pre my name is Earl with Jason Lee as a guy who comes back to his hometown after he's like been in pornography, which sounds like that just sounds a lot funnier. Like if it's just like a guy that tries to settle back into his normal life. And I guess that I assume that gets out in some way. If you're, if it was a movie about Brandon Roth, and Justin Long going back to the prom, that's a movie I'm on board for, actually. Yeah. I, I would really – I their chemistry worked for me far more than anyone else in the film. Yeah, and actually even Seth Rogen in that sequence just like – you know, being the guy that I guess you would – maybe for once you actually would want to be Seth Rogen where you're like, you know, I'm just <laughs> going to pepper this dude with questions because I'm never – I don't think going to get another opportunity <laughs> at my 10-year high school reunion to just say like – so what's it like doing porn, like, and getting sort of brutally honest answers <laughs> out of long there? I don't know. I, I feel like uh, Smith, sometimes he's like, he's like a really bad, like, dungeon master who has this, like, idea <laughs> he wants to do. And he just, like, is going to force it through and doesn't, you know, maybe I want him to be a little bit more Soderbergh where it's like, what's working? Like, follow that path. Like, okay, yeah, this is not as funny as it should be i've got this idea but it's just not like you're you're saying like yeah you see some comedic actors playing like doing their bits like we both like muse um but even that feels like okay here's really they kind of come in do their thing for like 30 seconds and then we Mm -hmm. we have to get back to like the love story and i think i would just like this to feel you know i guess just more like clerks just like you know sort of that sort of devil may care attitude let's just see where this takes us and so if you have a funny gag about star wars let it play out for five minutes then move on to the next thing but Mm. this feels that you're being railroaded like we're here to like make good on this like (laughs) yes we sold you on the title that (laughs) referenced a porno but by god we've got heart and we're gonna get back to that thing (laughs) i don't know it's kind of lame I think that one of the big problems there, I don't know which one it started with. I think it was post Jersey girl. He started editing his own films Oh, okay. and sometimes it's good. And other times I think he gets a little bit too precious with his characters. He does fall in love with their performances. And I think he could use outside eyes that, cause there's probably a good film in there that this could be trimmed down and reshaped. And if, if you look at something um, like Tusk, 
you could have had a, a much better film if you would have just cut out some of the stuff at the end. I think you could have had a mu- far more interesting film if you cut out Johnny Depp from it pretty much completely. Um, Boy, we were and- so right on that. <laughs> like, like, yeah, we were ahead of the uh, uh, of the uh, Twitter elites, the progressives that want Johnny Depp's head. Because I just remember seeing Tusk. I'm like, God damn this dude, man! Like, just get him. Stop. Like, please. He's not. He thinks he's really funny. Like, he 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 really fell into like a very strange, like Tim Burton esque version of like dad humor about ten years ago. Where it's just like he he's only really amusing to himself, and I guess Kevin Smith, you know, Kevin Smith starry eyed got Johnny Depp in his movie, but <laughs> Jesus, God, that 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 sums it up perfectly that he's doing dad humor filtered through Tim Burton, and I don't know who that's for. I mean, probably, yeah, I'm sure not even his own kids. I know I know one of them had the misfortune of having dad tag along in Tusk, <laughs> but I you know I doubt it even works for them. Uh, I, I wanted to, I mean, we, I knew we were going to do our Kevin Smith thing cause that's, we've built that's what we do. podcasting yeah. empire off, uh, sort of relitigating Kevin Smith's career. The only filmmaker where we're like, no, we got to be a completionist now. We got to cover every one of his. <laughs> you know what though? I, I think in that way we're honest though, because, um, I, I saw all these podcasts on Twitter and I apologize for the side note here but that that's more of the stuff that we i would actually watch but like agnes varga died a couple weeks ago and i see all these podcasters putting up their top five films of her career and i just don't believe them i honestly don't believe that the cats that are uh bitching about marvel movies and star wars movies every week have a top five for her career i mean i'm looking up this presumably very elderly woman oh 1928 belgium yeah Died at the age of ninety. Uh, nope, I'm not recognizing anything here. I had I was sent a box set of four movies of hers, and I watched them. They're all very good, but I couldn't <laughs> imagine those guys that watched that that the stuff that they are into and they talk about every week. I just don't buy it. They're 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 full of shit. But I think we're honest in that way because we will watch all the Kevin Smith movies and cover them. You for some reason this. The clerks affected us that much 25 years ago that we're still going to go back to the well every time he puts out a new one. We're probably getting a little bit in the weeds here, but that's that's also on brand for us. True. Um, Sorry. Well, no. Uh, what do you think if there were podcasts at the time of clerks? Like, do you think, you know, the people that are interested in talking about film at great length on a podcast and putting it out there to be consumed by probably, presumably no one, um, you know, do you think they have a good concept of like, how cool clerks was at the hmm. time. It's a great question. Um, I'm going to say no. I, I think that it's uh, at the time there wasn't a lot else like it that I personally had seen. It really felt like something that was onto itself. And even the style of the film felt like it was almost intentionally supposed to look like a, uh, closed circuit camera kind of thing. It, it felt like it was very intentional in that. And then we later learned that it wasn't as intentional as it seemed maybe. <laughs> so, but at that time it was something that was so unique and unto itself and it had this original voice and it had a very heightened stylized language and influenced a lot of filmmakers for years. And I think the people that are really into these podcasts now, younger generation of kids that maybe they are, watching filmmakers that have been influenced by those early Kevin Smith films and don't even know it and probably shit on it. 
Well, even like uh, Judd Apatow, who obviously he was already working successful before mm -hmm. Clerks, but like, you know, that mixture of the sweetness and the sour as far as the crass, crude humor with yeah. the love story. Like he was <laughs> able to sort of co-opt it and make it palatable to a much wider <laughs> audience than Kevin Smith was ever able to. And I also think like looking back on clerks that there's probably a lot, a lot taken for granted as far as the jokes and the writing, because so many people were influenced by it or just, you know, sort of the lack of the internet at the time that Kevin Smith was sort of broadcasting something that no offense to his writing. Cause it's very, especially those earlier films, it's very good, but you know, you're going to see people doing bits and sort of riffs on pop culture. If you yeah. just go on Reddit, if you find that particular, <laughs> you know, niche point. audience, you know, you're going to find probably some jokes on there that are very similar to the conversations in clerks. And I think that's probably why, you know, his legacy has been not tarnished, but I don't think he's looked upon, um, as some sort of like, you know, godlike filmmaker because he does, I mean, he captured life in a way that's just like, oh, yeah, anyone can do that. Anyone can write that because I have conversations with my buddy like that. But there is a certain skill to that. And that's I think that, that that's missing in Zack and Miri. I don't know if it is just the premise of it that I just can't really get behind of like two people who are incredibly uncomfortable with sex. Like, you know, Smith himself in all of his films, he's incredibly uncomfortable. And his usually his lead characters, like for as much as they talk about fucking <laughs> if they get close to it, it freaks them out. And that happens here. So, you know, there's a certain, I don't know if, I, if I'm the only one, but it's like, I, I get like agitated with our two leads. And that's probably not a good place to find yourself when you're watching a romantic comedy, when you're like, okay, you two talked about fucking all the time. Now you're going <laughs> to fuck. What, what's the hang up here? What's going on? Well, I've had, I mean, it, it depends on what that agitation, if it's by design or not, because in, um, Seth Rogen in his film with Michelle Williams, I'm agitated <laughs> at both of them throughout the entire film <laughs> and right. I love it. So that, that's, that's something that when it's by design and I think I'm supposed to sort of go back and forth with them in that film and it works for it. Not so much in Zach and Mary though. Okay. First time watch, um, take this waltz for me. Uh, mm -hmm. probably shouldn't have been, uh, I'm, I love Sarah Polly. Yeah. And... Should have gotten to this one sooner. And I also, I guess much like Zach and Miri, I'm like, didn't this come out? Is this like two or three years ago? I'm like, fucking 2011? I was like, oh, shit. Like, you're like, God, man, this Michelle Williams doesn't age. <laughs> well, I don't I don't really know if she does. Like, it, uh, even Seth Rogen, you know, as much as I've talked about him being some sort of like ogre, uh, <laughs> I don't know if he, you know, he's aged pretty well, as, you know, himself. Like, I think he looks pretty much the same. But um, so I'm, I'm watching this one. I watched this one with my wife. Uh, I gave her the option on Zach and Mary make a porno <laughs> and much like you know, general moviegoers back in 2008, they're like, uh, no, that's offensive to me. Like <laughs> pornos in the title and there's Seth Rogen. No, I'll pass. Um, <laughs> Seth Rogen still aging. Well, um, take this waltz. She was like, you know, title's not offensive. It's got Michelle Williams. I like her. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, the only thing I knew about it was, uh, that <laughs> Seth Rogen was going to, um, be the third wheel in some way, and uh, I'll I'll throw a little jab at Sarah Polly. She, you know, could have gone the original route and made him the other man, but no, of course, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <laughs> He's this married chef, this uh connoisseur of chicken who will be cheated on, and it's just this uh 
You know, it's just like the Hitchcock thing. We just we just plant this bomb underneath the park bench, <laughs> and we just wait to see his, how his heart will be broken when he's going to find out. Uh, this movie's kind of a mess, man. Like it's it is it is strange. Like it is, I, yeah, decidedly strange. Like th- this is something that you easily uh, you could make it just pure melodrama, right? Just that yes, that love triangle. And uh, I don't know if Polly does goes a different way on purpose to you know not only just for originality's sake but to maybe put you um in the like a better idea of the headspace of the michelle williams character Mm -hmm. as opposed to just looking at them as like all right you're unhappy so you cheated and you've done something wrong and now we all hate you (laughs) 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 and there is a little bit of that right like i mean there's sarah silverman has like she has a really great line you know, towards the end of the film, and she's Seth Rogen's sister, who <laughs> seems to quickly catch on, like, oh, shit. Yeah, knew this was coming. I know what my brother <laughs> looks like. I know how obsessed he is with chicken. I know how tired. <laughs> you know, he's got some talent in the kitchen, but she's getting getting tired of that chicken. Um, but she has a great line at the end, uh, something to the effect of that there are gaps in life. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a mistake to, like, try to immediately rush out and fill those gaps. Um, cause there, there are always, you know, there'll be another one around the corner, which seems to be the, you know, one of the ideas of the film. I don't, I don't think, I don't think this is like a very judgmental film in that regard, but I am thankful <laughs> given the actions here of Michelle Williams, that at least one person, you know, gives her a little chin music there at the end. Uh, <laughs> I think it, it, it absolves me as an audience member watching it to not feel as angry with her like okay someone gave the you know the old ball coach comes in that's the only time a bit about the uh melon baller in her eyeball something like that yeah yeah that's okay. a, that weird thing which uh was i think was handled with far more sexiness and punch drunk love i can't believe that <laughs> <laughs> adam sandler saying he wants to take a sledgehammer to his lover's face i was, I was ever gonna say that was sexier a sexier version of that but it, was. it really was it was it was sweeter too um so you had seen this before, so I'm yes. And since you you know agreed to do this, I know you're a sucker for Kevin Smith talk. So I'm guessing you uh, you're pretty high on this film if you agreed to talk about. it. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I love the movie. Um, it, it's one of those ones that I think is really rewatchable um, that you can revisit. And depending on where you are in your personal relationship, it can carry oh. a different weight. <laughs> okay, so for those who have not seen it, <laughs> what what would be ideal? here like what what is the ideal i'm saying not a not a good first date movie no Uh, no i think you need to be very comfortable with the person that you're with to sit down and watch this together yeah i kind of wish i hadn't um (laughs) 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 yeah marriage two years in i think that was a little early for this yeah uh, we're we're crossing the 10 year so we have yeah that's fine yeah. We have that passage. Yeah, we're past that point now. So yeah, we're yeah, oh, two years in. That would have been whew, plenty bad. of plenty of chicken dinners there in your life out in Tucson. So yeah, it's fine. You know, it's a, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, this reminded me. I another movie that I really liked, um, and I think with some, you know, a bit of trepidation, my wife you know, did come around saying, "Yeah, it was a good movie." But uh, we went to see early on in our. 
uh, dating life. We went to see Before Midnight together at the movies, and uh, oh, no. man, that is that's very different from the uh, you know that, that's the that is the Empire Strikes Back. You know that that is the other two are New Hope and Return of the Jedi, the first two. So. Yes, kind of that is the miserable down ending of the trilogy. <laughs> God, that's a rough, that's a rough set. Yeah. Fantastic movie, but oh, yeah. not a good date movie. Really, really good, but not it better, better to watch it alone. Um, but I think it's important to watch this with your partner. If your partner is anything like mine, because if she happened to have walked in, in that last sort of panoramic shot, um, she would have assumed I was watching, um, Zach and Mary make a porno. Smith moves the camera. Look at that shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we came to see. Uh, I I thought like most things in this film, I kept thinking like, is are these just like dreams that this character is having? This this unhappily married woman, like, is she just projecting out? Like you know, the, the the whole movie feels like it could yeah, be right. Yeah, it 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 makes you feel very uncomfortable in that way. Not uncomfortable from a you know, like the, the ethics of what's happening or like the morality of the characters. And like, I mean, you know, we do have our lead say like, you know, she's on the cusp of having an affair as far as the, the, you know, the physical aspect of it. And she just like breaks down, like weeping, sobbing all of a sudden as if Seth Rogen's presence is in the room, like her, like sort of squalling, like I can't hurt him. <laughs> and it's like all, all of it, like, you know, even, even as the other man, this is not unfaithful with Richard Gere. There's not a lot of the, the cool <laughs> sex shit with Diane Lane and this, uh, you know, guy with an accent, um, not to, you know, point out again, like that Sarah Polly could have, you know, put Seth Rogen, <laughs> you know, in that part of the, like the Latin lover. Uh, but no, uh, if it can happen to Richard Gere, you know, it happening to Seth Rogen, not really like not a big hill to climb there. <laughs> I, I, that would be a much, much different film. Um, I would believe her going there for maybe a sense of humor and she was looking for a reprieve in that way. Um, but I, I kind of love that aspect of it um, where here's a guy who he we all take our partners for granted at different points for different reasons from both sides. Um, but this is a guy who he doesn't yell at her. He tries to treat her with respect. Patience but he doesn't, of a yeah, saint. He, My goodness. He doesn't acknowledge her though. Um, she, well, man, I'll tell you what, <laughs> you let me project a little bit here. Oh, how, no. how many days of his life do you think are spent with either being tapped repeatedly on the shoulder uh, some goo goo gaga baby talk, some baby role play on the kitchen floor. He, you know, he, he is married at times to a two year old. Like <laughs> I, you know, hats off to the man. And <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling we'd have different takes on this one. <laughs> okay. That was, it was a review I read. Um, and I, I liked it. I'll have to find it, uh, and see if I can link it in the show notes, but it was, uh, you know, something to the fact that one aspect of the film, and this wasn't even a positive review, which I really liked. Like I, w I went on letterbox just to see, I'm like, Oh, I bet everybody fucking love this. Like, you know, five stars all around. <laughs> I said this as someone who like actually really liked it, but like, I, I like a lot of movies that I really dig. I also really hate them at times too. Like those, are the, those that are, means they're, they're doing something good. Yeah, there, there's a, like a push and pull effect mm -hmm. that I'm having as I'm sitting there watching it. Absolutely. And, and 
you know, in this negative review, they're like, look, you know, there, there are a lot of sequences here that I just, I just don't want to watch. Like, but what it gets right is that in the privacy of their own homes, you know, couples have like their own sort of language of flirtation that has like evolves like throughout the relationship. And you would never like want to hear like the, the sort of baby talk or like the silliness on display. If you were like over there for like a dinner party with those two, that would be poor form, but it is true as far as like the little in jokes and things you have. Yes. Um, even tonight, me and my wife were just watching an episode of the office and like one of the running gags was, you know, uh, Pam and Jim, like, come back from their honeymoon. Like, there's this in-joke that, like, only they get. It's something that cracks up both of them. But even mm-hmm. on the show, it's not being played as something that you should find funny. It's just, like, this little secret thing that was, took place outside of the office, the sitcom world. And Take This Waltz takes that to an extreme. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me get this straight. Your review... <laughs> take this waltz is Sarah Polly is telling an inside joke that the audience isn't privy to. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think it's to make um, the medicine go down when we see Seth Rogen just get fucking demolished. Just you were just going to watch it. Like it's, it, it is, you're just to see a man get crushed. And I, I don't know if it's a purely stylistic choice where, cause it is a lot of film is just like, you feel like, I mean, I think it is taking place from like Michelle Williams, like sort of like sort of fleeting memories of things. Like as she sort of feels her way out moment to moment, because there, there's a weird editing style to the film where it feels like it skips over some semi-important things. Like I said, if this was a straight melodrama, you would probably want to see those conversations take place. So we don't actually see the conversation where she's like, hey, right. guess what? Come into the other dude, you know, the, the one right <laughs> over there. Look, see, let me follow my finger. He's right there, like right, right across the street. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Seth Rogen, when he's like dealing with it, you just see like pretty quickly, I think within like a minute shot, they just do these sort of like jump cuts to like, mm-hmm. you know, various reactions, anger. Pain. I actually really like that. I, I So that... do you think that, do you think that's there just to tell the story? Do you think it's like to, you know, would we feel like, comfortable with Seth Rogen just like in a long take just like pouring his heart out well those I don't know I've yet to be divorced but I've been in relationships that have unwound and the majority of those the few that I had prior to getting married that was a long process and I think by the way that she <laughs> just had Are you it, saying a, your version's like the Terrence Malick version of that scene. Yeah, like, it's, <laughs> it goes on for way too long and you're talking in circles and having this argument and it comes back to a point where you're like laughing at the situation and then crying and then very emotional. Yeah. Terrible, terrible time <laughs> relationships ending for the most part uh, in my experience. And so the idea of cutting to those sort of emotional beats of this, what I assume is several hours of conversation, I really appreciate that. Hmm. Just getting to that because I think there's an economy in the storytelling here that's really just one shot will give you everything that you need for the emotional beat. And I think that's far more powerful. There's a lot of the film that's impressionistic. That's, you know, you're being told what they're feeling through the color and through the light and through the setting. Um, And there is a fantasy aspect to this film that I really appreciate that if it was more melodrama, it wouldn't carry the same weight to me. Um, Because if I start to think about this film in a realistic way, I don't know how a guy that is an unpublished chicken book 
writer and I don't know what she does. Um, she travels once every six months to Vancouver to write about a old castle or something. And the other guy is a rickshaw cab driver. And Dime that's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> but they live in this beautiful neighborhood <laughs> in one of the more expensive cities to live in in North America. Mm, beautiful so, film, too. Oh, it's gorgeous. It looks like Mexico. It's so – they made Van- – is it Toronto? I think it's that, yeah, Toronto. Was, I thought something like was Mexico. wrong with my fucking TV. Like normally <laughs> – Normally I'm like, hey, what you know? What is this? Is this not you know? Is, is the stream off? Like, why am I not getting HD? This should, this should look better than this. Uh, pull up my phone. Yes, it does look better on my phone. Why doesn't it look like that on my TV? I've done that in a theater. You know, I did that for fucking a Pixar movie. I, I was the only person sitting in like a matinee showing of The Good Dinosaur, and it looked like shit. And so I I pull up my phone and pull up the trailer, and I'm like holding it up. Holding up, you know, I probably, I, I think even if I'd had a crowd, they would have appreciated this because the brightness on my phone, I'm like, that looks stunning. This <laughs> on my iPhone, <laughs> why does it not look like that? So since I was the only one in there, I'm like, well, this is the prime opportunity. Uh, I go get the manager, I guess, on duty and bring him in there and say, I need him to come look at something. And then I pull out my phone and hold it up to the screen and say, why, why does your screen not look like this? What is what you see the disconnect here? What I came here to see the good dinosaur, right. sir. How are you not like 30 years older than me? Well, I feel it with these, you know, <laughs> things like this happen to me. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I look forward to the grave, my friend. <laughs> I think you guys are looking forward to each other. <laughs> I was, that was a, my way of complimenting. Take this waltz. So it's like, this is, this is beautiful. Cause I thought it was so, the colors were so vibrant. I'm like, there's something wrong with my TV. What is this? Like, I, um, but that's, that's probably, probably about it. Even the other like beautiful moments as far as like, oh, this is a cool shot. <laughs> Those are seemingly only used in like times of great distress for our characters. <laughs> so like, you know, anytime, anytime she's going to have a fun little date night, uh, <laughs> boy, is she like, you know, it's like the weight of the world is on her shoulders. Like this, you know, I mean, she says at the beginning of the movie, right? She doesn't like this. The, the in-between place. She doesn't like that, yeah. like being in a, she, she's the opposite of George Clooney and up in the air. And, uh, and the entire film is that in-between place. It's this entire film is that gap. Um, it is the thing that causes relapse. It is that thing that causes people to cheat. And that's the whole point of the movie is getting to the other side of that. Um, where to me, she gets what she wants and she finds a way to get through that gap. And then we see her in another one of those at the end of the film. And that's kind of the, one of the things I love about this film is it is honest enough, even as heightened and fantastical as it might be that it does show her come to the other side on that. Um, in the same way, the graduate has that extra beat at the end. The extra beat in this film is really what brings it home for me. Yeah. I mean, no matter how many fucking threesomes you have, uh, eventually it's just the two of you. In that damn kitchen, making muffins. <laughs> <laughs> you, you good, Mike? <laughs> well, I, uh, I, th- this is one of the, you know, this was not, uh, wild things, right? This is not, uh, Denise Richards coming out, like, you know, uh, no. showing her, her breasts to, to anyone and everyone applauds and, you know, America's great. Um, <laughs> uh, when that happened, I actually felt like, um, 
you know, a killer with a knife had just walked, crept in to like <laughs> to yeah. the back frame. It's, I'm like, you're not happy to see that. No, it's not. No. It, it, you know, Polly does a great, uh, a great thing as far as it makes all, all those things feel incredibly, uh, you know, fleeting. And they're just, you know, they're, they're just bad calories is what, <laughs> is what that whole sequence of <laughs> sex and fun is. And, uh, you know, that, that guy who, uh, you know, thought that I I don't know I, I I can't get a read on the guy I don't think you're supposed to get a read on the the other man so much really I don't think I, so I kind of think he's manipulating her the entire time to what end though I, he he enjoys the challenge of it I, for, he's a charming bastard that's gonna he's see, uh, I don't hunter. even agree with that I don't I mean he's talking about fucking uh you know ejaculation at over coffee. Like, I mean, that's his, I'm like, dude, <laughs> it, whoa. it seems to work on her though. <laughs> this is, uh, this is unseemly. Miss Polly. It, I think they were six <laughs> martinis deep at that point. And I'm sure I've said more offensive things than describing an ejaculation after six cocktails. I want to know what you do to me. just kissed the top of your head ever so gently you did yes and then kissed your eyelids they fluttered underneath my lips just a little very Because you're married, I didn't dare kiss them. No. Instead, I worked my way slowly down your neck, and I kissed every inch of it. And I lingered over your birthmark on your left shoulder. Yeah, that one. smelled you. I really inhaled and I smelled you. You smelled like you do. The way you smelled on the plane. The way you smell right now. A mixture of sweetness and felt this way but i'm like can't can you back to zach and mary make a porno there's a little, little sweetness here they would not talk like that to another human being especially one that they you know want to court what is it? where's the courtship a little pillow talk you know that was early they were past that yeah um 
I don't know where I come come down on uh, sort of the the treatment for for our theme, <laughs> Seth Rogen here, because <laughs> I feel like Smith in his film is trying to uh, you know boost up the the everyman or the you know, the everyman in the uh, sort of the, the mold of Kevin Smith, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the filthy mouth guy who's uh, comes across as very jaded, but is like an you know, incredible teddy bear right? and gets his feelings hurt very quickly. Uh, in that film, there, there's a um, a matchmaking scene set to a Pixie song that I really like. That I think yeah. is like, good God, Smith! It goes on for way too long, and it's like it is just in slow mo, excruciating slow mo. Elizabeth Banks and Seth Rogen, uh, just with wounded, incredibly wounded expressions, just like I fucking the other one as as Seth Rogen is let off basically down. Kevin Smith's warped version of the Green Mile to go get laid, <laughs> like being dragged down a hallway by this beautiful woman. In that film, Smith turns me against Rogan, where I'm like, uh, I don't know, I don't think I buy it. I don't buy it. In Polly's film, it's the opposite, where I'm like, the other dude, kind of, kind of a dipshit. What is this rickshaw thing? What is this? <laughs> what he lives across the street from you? This is like, a, you know, this is a scary movie. This is Fright Night. Like this guy, <laughs> stay with the chicken man. Like he's very friendly. Um, uh, seems like a good dude. Like God bless. That's, that's the point of it. Is that this is a friendly, good guy, and she's in this gap, and so she's looking for something that's not that. She wants somebody that's a little bit dangerous. Somebody that's taking these chances that's not comfortable, that's not consistent, that's not literally making chicken dinner every single night of their marriage. It's making she banks wants... what he is. She's <laughs> stuck with that. Chicken man. <laughs> but, um, and and that's, that's what works for me about that film. Does she not that... realize that uh, she's the dangerous one? That's like, you know, she's, she's the bomb that's going to detonate in well, that world. Yeah, that's the none of us realize that we're the bomb. Really? Cuz I like situation. To, I like to think of myself like that. And, and I that's think, why you that's why you probably aren't. Exactly. <laughs> As I was about to say that's why I'm misguided in that because I would relish that power over <laughs> my small world. <laughs> you know, earlier in the in the conversation I was thinking, fuck, Mike needs to have kids so he can just get himself out of his own head. You know, I take that all back. <laughs> That thought that I had to myself for a moment, <laughs> I was wrong. You were right. I think that's where I like to end every podcast we do. <laughs> uh, in conclusion, there is no conclusion about Seth Rogen. <laughs> yeah. So is the is the which version of Seth Rogen is more fuckable? Mm. I'll go with the asex- the asexual chicken man. Yeah. Although I couldn't, I couldn't uh, you know what? I don't think I could roll with the baby talk, though. I don't think I would ever be okay see, with I that. But see, I think that's her. I think he's you think just, that's her? Yeah, I think in? he's just like, okay, I guess this is what... And then she, like, turns on him. And he's like, I don't... I, what? I don't know. He's like, you have, you have molded this man into this, uh, you know, asexual being that's just afraid <laughs> of saying the wrong thing. Like, you know, it's just like, he's just... I, I what I like the best about the you, movie you saw you saw fear in him yes I saw I yes. saw a com, I saw complacency and comfort I, I saw a man who could finally take a breath by the end of this <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> holy shit <laughs> when she's like you know I mean spoiler alert for take this waltz if you're like me and you 
you, know, you, you put off this uh, great ode to to men who are cheated on, and then you know this is uh, you know this is a precursor to one of my favorites, Crazy Stupid Love, where you know Julianne Moore <laughs> cheats on Steve Carell, and well, he shows her. He goes out and knocks him out. Just goes one through through one through nine down the lineup here. Seth Rogen, you know, in the film when they, she like you know basically starts to, I don't know, probably I don't even know if she's genuine about it, but she just you're in that situation where maybe two people feel like this is what we should be talking about. Um, first time we've seen each other since, you know, we split, spent a lot of our, you know, time together, a lot of our lives together. And he just is like, you know, no, no point having that conversation now. Do I ever I think about that. it? No. Yeah. You know, we were, we weren't, if we weren't going to talk about it then, we're not going to talk about it now. And that was, yes, Chris, that was me reading it as like, whew, no, not my problem. <laughs> not my problem anymore. <laughs> Okay. He's got so, chicken money. <laughs> there's a difference between after you're heartbroken and the person wanting to come back and have some closure and telling them to fuck off because you're heartbroken and because you don't want to give them anything else than you've already given to them. Then having relief over the relationship was over. He's finally breathing. Oh, come on. See, I, I totally read it as the latter. We, uh, there has to be some sort of situation where uh, a dinner party – or, you know, just anything, some sort of thing where someone extends their hand um, and, you know, for whatever reason, uh, you can't do it. Maybe you put your best foot forward, but it doesn't work out. And then <laughs> then mm. afterwards, you're like, well, I'm really thankful that didn't work out because I didn't actually want to <laughs> be in that situation. Like, why? Well, you know, I was just being polite. And now the universe has opened up to me, its heart, and <laughs> I'm I'm back to being the leading man in my story. I'm not a supporting character. <laughs> I feel like that's Seth Rogen in this in this movie. All right. I I, I just I, I think you're projecting just a little allow, bit. Just allow one person to have a happy ending here, Chris. You know why do you have to make it so bleak that one man I, escaped? I, I actually do see it as a happy ending. Um that he he's finding strength in himself in that moment and telling her to fuck off. And that's it. And he's just moving on with his life. Okay. Maybe you are. It doesn't, it, it doesn't take away the fact that he was heartbroken and he would have spent the rest of his life with her and been quite happy. I think that you see a man that was miserable during that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm disagreeing. See, with. yeah, you're right. Cause I don't think he's finding strength in himself. I think he's finding strength in her not being around the absence, <laughs> the absence of her <laughs> is Again. a net gain. <laughs> I, I didn't see that anywhere in the movie. <laughs> that, that was in, I don't know what version. Is it Mike Max or whatever? You filter this damaged shit well, lens that you look through. Imagine him like, you know, I said earlier that the best thing about Zach and Mary is that it seems like Banks and Rogan, like the chemistry they have together when they're buddies, actually by like being two people like, for whatever reason, they're just like, you know, we work together. This is the way things should be. <laughs> like, what, you know, l look at uh, his future relationships. Like, he's <laughs> filling out a resume. He's, you know, he's he's going to LinkedIn. Where, where do you see baby talk as a skill <laughs> that's transferable? To, I think he's looked down that. <laughs> oh, that, that, that that's adaptability. That is absolutely a okay, LinkedIn yeah, you're, skill. You're, you're spinning yeah, that, 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 it. No, no, that is something you need in the workforce. If you're looking your boss in the face and saying, that's a great idea, I will get right on that. That is an important skill to have in the workplace. I, guarantee, the, I guarantee, 
damn to you. Chris. And in a publishing world, taking notes from somebody who doesn't even understand his chicken world, I think that's a, a she has prepared him for a life alone. I'm just saying, transfer out of the relationship world, which really is like that's it, him and his bunker at home. He's constantly <laughs> taking fire from this like nut job <laughs> that he lives with. Jesus. <laughs> Put that in the, the work world. Like, let's say this is an office comedy. Imagine his boss coming up to him constantly. He's, you know, uh, you know, Ron Livingston style doing some sort of data entry and just like flicking him in the back of the ear or just like whispering <laughs> in his ear, like, you know, baby talk or nonsense. This is a comedy about a psychopath terrorizing <laughs> an everyman at work. And yet the way you're reading it, <laughs> It's very different just because it's his <laughs> wife at home. I think that makes it more horrific. How, well, okay, first of all, <laughs> why do you think it's transferable to make this an office place comedy? <laughs> he's, got, he's got the hard hat on 24-7. He has no relief. And like even when he tries to go well, along he with has the relief. His relief. His world is nothing but relaxation. No, he never breaks no. a sweat in this entire movie. Oh my goodness. You do not I'm seeing that man sweat. I'm seeing the, that the, the one day that he was supposed to walk with his wife down the street to see a movie, he couldn't have been happier to jump in that rickshaw. Well, wouldn't you if you just saw a rickshaw? First off, I'd wonder what the hell am I looking at? And why <laughs> <laughs> Why is there a grown man pulling it? But the other thing is, I'd be pissed, and you know this about me. I'd be pissed that yes, he's supposed to go on this walk with his wife, but she's fucking late, and they're gonna be late for the movie, their anniversary movie. <laughs> that I'd is fucking, you. Oh, I'd be fucking furious. And that rickshaw man, there would be no asking. There'd no be waiting for an invitation. I would be like, hey, you, dude, whatever that contraption is, I'm on it, and you too. And he didn't have cash on him. Wasn't able to tip. Not well, okay. Toronto. I don't know. Get a square reader or something. Let me, <laughs> let me Apple pay you, buddy. <laughs> you hipster douchebag. Ah, <laughs> uh, yep. Did doing poly justice. Uh, next week we'll uh, talk about another favorite of mine, the uh, Sweet Hereafter, where uh, <laughs> she plays just a a real go getter, a real happy kid. Who's had a lot of luck in life. <laughs> just... <laughs> One in a million shot, Doc. One in a million. <laughs> All right. Oh, classic. Mm -hmm. Classic episode. Is this the subtitle? Is Michael works through some shit tonight? I actually blame you because you got me more worked up as you talked about it. Like your defense of this, 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 you know, complete goofball slash scumbag played by Michelle Williams. And I'm happy. I'm happy the way it worked out. I'm happy that, that man escaped. You know, he just, you know. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> no, no opinion is ever wrong, but fuck, you're wrong. It's Cacciatore. Writing a chapter on Cacciatore. I gotta make a whole lot of Cacciatore. I'm putting the hot peppers this time. 
What do you think it'll be like with hot peppers? takes courage to do that. To do what? To seduce you. It takes all my courage and you're teaching me to be completely and utterly without bravery. It takes courage to seduce your husband? Yes. And it takes all the courage in the world. Well, that's ridiculous. Is it? Well, then why do you always prove that I was right? When I feel like I'm taking a great risk, you consistently prove to me that I was right and that it was a greater risk than I could manage. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm just making chicken. You're always making chicken. Yeah. 